Oh, sorry, oscillating is the word, not modulating. How embarrassing. You got that wrong. <laughs> I know. Come on, mate. Sorry, Nate. Pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. This is a show by the fans, for the fans, where we'll be discussing how to fix the Rugby League World Cup and the international game in general. And at the end of all that, we'll be giving a tip about who is going to win the World Cup. Based on what we've seen so far. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get some Rugby League chat without the media agendas, just whatever agendas we are driving. And I have three people that are desperate to get behind that wheel. Kieran Gibson, Miles Stedman, and Chris Waring. Miles Stedman, it's been a long time. You've been touring around Europe. We've been talking about it on the podcast, but now we can finally hear it from the horse's mouth. How are you and where was the best place you went to? Hey, Bo. Uh, I'm good. Uh, best place I went to, I really love Paris. It's probably my favorite city. Um or at least top five, uh, I'd say. Um, but yeah, let's let's start with Paris. It's it's a classic. It's a brilliant city. I know it's a favorite of yours too. It definitely is a favorite of mine. When I go to Europe next year, if I can afford it, after my recent driving fines, um, I will be <laughs> I will be definitely very very keen uh, to check out Paris again. Chris Waring, you're out of places very similar to Paris, really. Um, the west of Sydney. How have you been? <laughs> Yeah, uh, good man. Um, good to be back in the pod after a one-week absence. But yep, look out the window. Looks like Paris to me. So <laughs> those those phone towers are very reminiscent of uh, that tour Eiffel, aren't they? Yeah, and the Subarus WRX is just doing burnouts for some reason on the highway. You know, it's it's like the mall. Perhaps perhaps Saint Denis for anyone that's been to Paris. Yeah, just like it's just circling around the Arc de Triomphe. Like, yeah, yeah basically. well, it takes me back to when I was in uh, Montmartre myself, or uh, when I was in when I was there. Actually, this will be to just flash my Western Sydney credentials real quick. <laughs> I was in a cab and I called it Montmartre, and the cab looked at me like I was a fucking moron. <laughs> anyway. Well, I don't think you're a moron, and neither does Kieran Gibson. Kieran, welcome back to the pod. Thank you for joining me for the World Cup preview a couple of weeks ago, and let's give a shout out to your brother, the Big E, who went to the the nationals for swimming uh, in the uh, in the Down syndrome swimming events, and he picked up how many gold medals was it? Three, three. Um, yeah, so he's down in Lawn Seston for the week. I think it's the happiest I've ever seen him. Like you could tell, the whole week was just like probably the highlight of his life. Um, so he could be off to Berlin next year in June to compete against in World Championships. I think it is called so. Yeah, exciting times for him. It was exciting times for me this morning, actually, because I took him to a bakery uh, before we had uh, an appointment this morning, and uh, he couldn't help himself. We've only been to this bakery twice. He doesn't know anybody, but he couldn't help himself. He had to throw, show off his gold medal, <laughs> and so much so that the person that was behind the counter just had to give him like a free uh, pastry from the French bakery. So I'm starting to think of, there's a bit of a loophole there, boys. Kieran, make sure you cash in. Take that gold medal everywhere, my dude. <laughs> Stolen valor. He's got that charm without medals. Yeah, exactly. He, he can he can usually get free stuff. He he gets a lot of hugs out of people. That's the thing I've noticed about the BE. He's a very very good hugger of the ladies. Guys, let's jump into the World Cup. So far, there's been a series of 
very lopsided result. I can't remember any really genuinely close games, or maybe like one or two. So uh, I guess the question is, with a little bit of hindsight here, but also a couple of people in our group have been talking about this before the World Cup even as well, talking about the standard of International Rugby League, uh, the direction it's going in, the need for a World Cup. So what I want to do is I want to work out, A, where we sit at the moment in regards to how we feel about the World Cup, and then B, if we're not happy with it, is there a way that we can fix it or scrap it entirely? And then if we do scrap it, how do we fix International Rugby League? Because there has to be something, I think. So uh, just starting us off, Chris, are you happy with the World Cup as it is? Uh, no, I, I don't think it's a... There, there are some benefits to it as it exists now, which I'm sure we'll touch on, or positive features rather. But overall, no, I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's, you know, it's not, it's not what it, when you think of World Cup in sport, it's not. This isn't what it is. It does, this isn't a World Cup. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's good at the moment. Miles, you're a you're a man of the world. Is this a World Cup, and is it a good one? This is not a World Cup. And it is a bad one. And Kieran, what's your position? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, in the traditional sense that there's countries against countries from around the world, it's a World Cup. But yeah, it's not, it's not really a, a World Cup. Okay, I, I think we all take a pretty similar position, which is that uh, it's not a true World Cup. It really is only a competition between, let's call it three or four teams. Uh, and those kind of competitions exist in the world for a reason. I think of like, previous times we've had the four nations or six nations in rugby union for example uh the cricket world cup is a bit more condensed um so i guess the next point of call is trying to work out do we keep the world cup or do we scrap it entirely and or like what are some solutions i guess uh i think i'll go to you first kieran on this one what is like? What's the alternative? Sixteen teams. It's it's not comp- uh, com- particularly competitive. What what solution is there? Um, I think the most obvious one, and I'm not sure why they haven't done it yet, is uh, just get, get Gus Gould to co- uh, coach all the <laughs> minor teams. Randy is going to be furious. I think that that would really really help. So, so what you, you just think? Um, you know, Gus Gould rocks in like John Candy and Cool Runnings to, <laughs> to Jamaica, and then suddenly Dominic Young's brother just becomes a superstar, and away they go. And then it gets leaked years later that he was the coach because he's just really humble about it all. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, wait, are you taking the piss? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, okay, so maybe some some better coaches? (laughs) Some of the team? No, I I think uh, your point in the chat was exactly what I would do with how they do it with the cricket. um, I think I'm not too well across cricket, but I, my understanding is that they have like a, a pre-competition between, I guess, the minnow teams or minnow countries, and then they have a Super 12. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be the best way to do it. And yeah, just have Ireland beating up on the minnow teams and then them getting beaten up by the big teams. <laughs> <laughs> At least they'd have their day in the sun. Uh, Miles Seven, what, what's, I mean, you know, I think among us, you might be the fan of the most world sports. I'm not exactly sure how Kieran feels about that, but um how do you see rugby league 
developing the international game or, or having a, maybe a World Cup that would be semi-relevant, I suppose? Well, I, I think that um, I, was, I was completely out on International Rugby League, and I, I guess I still am, but I think um, Chris raised an interesting point in our, our private chat the other day when he said um, words to the effect of um, uh, PNG's inclusion in the Queensland Cup has been really good for that. Obviously, it's not a national team per se, but it's been good for rugby league in that nation in terms of um, bringing a little bit more professionalism to the setup nationally. Um, and I think if we're looking at that example, uh, and I guess to a lesser extent the French example as well with um, with the, the Catalan Dragons, and I think there's another French team in the, the Super League now, mm-hmm. isn't there? The Funders League. So yeah. um, I think if we're looking at that model, I think it would be good to, you know, maybe in the UK integrate Ireland and Scotland and Wales and whatnot, and maybe, a, I don't know, one of the European things, who knows, into that model. And then in our, our model, maybe integrate some of the, the Pacific playing nations like Fiji or Tonga or Samoa into those sort of lower level um, cups. I know Fiji has been represented before in the New South Wales Cup. I'm not sure if it still is. Um, but I think that would be the, the key pathway forward because right, what we've got right now is, either A, the Minnows team's getting smashed off the park, or B, um, and I think this is my my main sticking point um, that's unique to me, is a, a, a group of players who are not, not really, you know, Irish or Scottish or, or you know, to, even Tongan or Samoan, they're Australian or, or, or Kiwis turning out for those countries and essentially just, you know, having a little bit of a run around at the expense of genuine rugby league players in those nations. Yeah, so so I guess what you're saying is like like while Jerome Luai, for example, has obviously got Samoan heritage and he is eligible under current rules, um, you don't see any benefit to him representing Samoa um, because it doesn't help the country long term. Well, I'm not going to say there's no benefit because, of course, we've seen um, Samoan. Um, Samoan rugby league fans and Tongan rugby league fans turn out in droves to watch the the, the nations play, which is fantastic. Um, but for I, I, I don't know again I guess they, I'm guessing they love it in Tonga and Samoa too. I've, I've never been to either of those countries or or asked an actual Tongan or Samoan what they feel, but I'm sure there would be some rugby league players in that country who would love that opportunity to play for their nation. Yes, they would probably get smashed off the park because that's what we're seeing from the other Minos nations. But again, as I said, if we're working through players from those nations through New South Wales Cup or Queensland Cup or whatever it may be, then maybe they will there will be that higher standard of professionalism brought through that country as opposed to, you know, Jerome Luai two weeks out from the World Cup saying, Oh, I'm not gonna make the Australian team. Okay, you know, I choose some Samoa instead. Mm-hmm. Chris, there's a few different little talking points there. Um, Kieran mentioned the cricket style, you know, have your tier one nations that automatically qualify, tier two play off to make those couple of spare spots for tier one, like in the cricket that we're just, we're just watching right now, the 2020 World Cup. Miles mentioned what you talked about in the group chat, which was, you know, other ways to develop international rugby league instead of getting smashed by 60 points at these sort of tournaments. Um, and also talking about, you know, um, which players should be eligible for countries and, and how that grows the game. Do you have uh, 
any specific thoughts about how to improve the International Rugby League? Yeah, but the first one, um, I won't go on it too long because Miles um, brought it up just then. But yeah, like the integration of, you know, more uh, structural, um, you know, putting branches down, so to speak, of international rugby league institutions. And I think that you kind of see the benefit of that with, um, you know, England, for example. England have their own competition, the Super League, you know, say what you want about the quality, but they, they have this, the structures and the pathways in place there where, um, you know, where they destroyed um, Samoa. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And to a lot of people, that was kind of unexpected where you look at the Samoan team. And again, it's like this collection of, you know, uh, you know, that, and I've, I fully understand the point about wanting to represent, um, you know, your heritage and family's heritage and, and the pride associated with that. And that is one good thing about, the World Cup, but in, a lot of them are like Australian, you know, they, they did their pathways in junior football in Australia. They have no real, you know, root connection in terms of... Um, like actually living there, you mean? Yeah, and yeah, and, like, and, and developing their football in that context where I think like you look at like the Samoan and Tongan teams, a lot of them on paper you would have better as, you know, a team like England, and England they're a good team for sure, but... Um, and I think like it's over, it's overlooked, I think in part, and I think it would strengthen the game where you kind of, um, put it in the cricket context. So Ireland has a developing first class cricket scene. Obviously they have the link with, you know, a lot of them play county cricket and stuff like that. And I think it's just about getting pathways down where rather than like, you know, you have like the Matthew Johns and Andrew Johns of the world's being like, yeah, just give me that team and I'll do wonders, right? International football is just more than getting names together and it also should be more than just getting names together. It's about setting pathways down, integrating in local competitions like Queensland Cup, New South Wales Cup, you know, England um, and stuff like that. And then I, and the second point, like, I think you need to tier them as well because, like, for example, just looking at, like, the scores, so Samoa beat Greece 72-4 to and then Samoa got destroyed by England. It's just like... Where, like, a game like, you know, a reasonable scoreline in a rugby league game, Lebanon 32, Ireland 14, like, mm-hmm. that's that's a relatively competitive game. Or um, the one, I think it was last night, or even early this morning, Papua New Guinea, Cook Islands, 32-16. Like, those are, you know, close close, close games, quality games. There's not just a ridiculous scoreline. And the sco- ridiculous scorelines aren't, you know, at, at like, one in a blue. You see them, like, every so often, and, and it's... I just think it's bad for the game. And I said, and I made the point in group chat where I think like it borders on the arrogant where like we promote this as a world cup and then we just have like some anaerobic players who are like getting a test cap under the name for Ireland or, you know, Lebanon or whoever. And then they're playing with some of the people that Miles alluded to, right? Some kind of semi-professional, you know, this isn't their full-time job. And they get like destroyed. And I, and I get like the pride thing is there, but it's not like, like, this has been happening in International Rugby League for, like, as far as I can remember it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like- right. as, yeah, like, this isn't just, like, oh, it's just this year. Like, and that's the point, I'm, like, I would make is that, like, well, if this is meant to make them better, like, they they play once every what, four to six years, half of the team is gone, and then the new guys get destroyed, and this is, like, meant to, like, make their rugby league better. Like, I just, I just, I don't, I don't believe that. Miles, while you were in Europe, uh, the rest of us put in predictions for who we thought was going to progress into the next round of the competition. And we are all going to be correct. 
like it's, it's like, you know, it's going to be England, Samoa, it's going to be Australia, Fiji, it's going to be New Zealand and Lebanon, and it's going to be Papua New Guinea and Tonga. We all knew that right from the start. It's, it's, and I'm sure Miles, you probably would have picked the same things. It's not an unpredictable tournament, um, which I guess leads to some questions I've got. Like, and like here, I'm sure you'd probably agree with the guys when they say that having some longer term plans, putting some structures in place is the best way to get sustainable improvement. But that's also a really long term solution. Like, that's going to take gener- like at least a generation until we start seeing the fruits of that labor. Like, kind of like, a lot of women's sports, you know, you've got to, you've got to do some hard yards, you know, before and, and, and put some and invest before you're actually getting the revenue to grow the game one day. You've got to have that forward planning. And we're starting to see the fruits of that with some of the women's sports um, that traditionally haven't been as strong. So I get all that. So I guess what I'm asking is, is there a perfect, like, there has to be some sort of world championship, even if it's not called a world cup, whether you, you call it a five nations or a six nations or whatever you want to call it. I believe there should be some sort of championship every few years, kind of like a world cup, but smaller one word answer. Chris, do you think there should be something like that? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, Miles. Um, I guess so. Okay, and Kieran? Nabel. Okay, Nabel. Nabel, <laughs> Nabel means, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> For those of you who do not speak our language. Yeah, Nabel means, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, okay, so Miles was kind of tentative on that one, but most of us agree that there should be some sort of kind of regular championship to have a world champion or like a best team, a best international team. And there should be some sort of international rugby league. Um, So it seems to me like how many tier one nations are we willing to have? I feel like Australia, New Zealand, England are automatics at this point. I feel like Tonga with, with the allowance of course that you have all, all the players that play in the NRL that have heritage that are playing there. Um, and then you could make an argument for Samoa, I think. Um, but that might that might be about it for Tier One nations. Um, Kieran, what's the right number? What's the right number for some sort of competition? Um, I mean, I think it depends on how competitive those nations that are pushing towards the top are. Like at the moment, who do you have? Australia, New Zealand, um, England, mm-hmm. Tonga. Yeah, they got pushed all the way by. Although PNG have been good, they got pushed all the way by PNG. PNG could have won that game. Um, yeah, outside of Tonga, Samoa. I'm not, I mean, Tonga and Samoa are probably Tonga maybe, but I don't know about Samoa after the way they got shellacked by England. Yeah, I'd probably go those four. Okay, so if you want to have like a like a championship, are you saying you'd have just those four, or would it be like six? But those last two spots are taken up by the champions of the tier two competition, for example. Um, the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of leaning to what, towards what Miles said is, I, I guess so, like more leaning towards maybe no, because I, I, I think you just have like a, a four nations every two years and then maybe a World Cup every four or five years. But I, 
I, I mean, definitely, you definitely have a competition where the minnow teams are, are playing each other as well. But um, and, I, and they would probably not like to be left out. But I don't know. I, what's the point in watching them get smashed all the time? Well, they probably wouldn't get smashed if they were only playing against each other more often than not. Um, Miles, you, you mentioned something in the, in the group chat that I'd love to hear you talk about. It's the idea that I think we all kind of agree that teams should be playing plenty of international football against other teams that are going to be competitive. Like if Australia plays five games a year against Papua New Guinea, they're going to win five of those games by plenty and it's going to achieve not much. But if they're playing more football against... England, New Zealand, you know, bring back that three-match series every year from New Zealand. That, that was happening in the 90s and it's just gone away. Um, you know, more regular Ashes tests. Play some more against Tonga while they're going strong. Um, and at the same time, have teams like Papua New Guinea and Cook Islands and Samoa and Fiji, have them playing each other more often than they are. But you mentioned that it's pretty much impossible with current scheduling. Yeah, and that's that. That's the problem, really, isn't it? That's the big sticking point in all this. Is that, um, you know, without getting too into the weeds on it, the the NRL, no, sorry, uh, nine does control to a certain extent um, how long the season is, when the games are played, when State of Origin is played, when the season starts and ends, and what else happens. And the NRL is the premium product, and State of Origin, which happens three times a year. That's what they want the most of, and um, essentially all other all other games scheduled, whether it's other internationals or New South Wales Cup or Queensland Cup or whatever, is the less premium product that they want less of. So um, they're going to see less of it, and they're going to they're going to worry less about scheduling time for it. Now, this is, and some of the players already spoken about this. This is going to be a, a really tough season for the players. Uh, both this season and, and next because of how truncated the off-season for them is going to be. Um, and if we're, you know, scheduling in three or four internationals a year, it's not all that different really to having a, a World Cup at the end of each year. Um, so it's 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 a hard one because <laughs> there's absolutely no... If anything, the NRL season's only going to get longer. It's certainly not going to get shorter. Um, as we expand, it's it's... In fact, I'd say it's almost certain to get longer in the next 10 years, which there's even less space for the International Rugby League. Um, so, yeah, I, I really don't know how to solve that problem, but I, I definitely agree in that we, you know, I, I personally, as a as a fan of rugby, I'd like to see Australia playing New Zealand more and to a little bit of a lesser extent England more and the developing nations playing against each other more. Chris, where do you... Uh, land on that the idea about uh, you know having a having a six nation tournament every four years in lieu of a sixteen nation tournament and you know having those maybe four strongest teams and having two that qualify into it maybe a year before the tournament um, how how do you feel about something like that Yeah, I, I like that method of um, relegation because look, you like. Uh, the way it's, the way it is, like you are going to have, um, you know, blowouts. So, so for example, I, I could with that model, I could envisage, you know, PNG as you know making it one year. I'll probably make fours like I think a bit too um, far apart, only because like we mentioned, right, we've got like the 
players who like they may be there one year and then they have a really good World Cup, but then there's no kind of like systems or structures in place for them to really make a leap, you know, out of that. So like there needs to be consistent football, but again, we're kind of talking to a problem that you know it's not easily fixed the way it is. So we're just kind of stuck in this like you know limbo of you know what how to best make it tolerable, but. Yeah, conceptually, I like the idea of like a team playing their way into that, um, you know, the the four nation series or whatever format it might take. And then, you know, I, I think if you they should again, you need to prop up international rugby league to be, you know, um, a really high, you know, that something to seek and um, that players want to do, especially you know, in the off season um, out of the NRL regular season. So. We can get a bit more, you know, uh, quantity of games, but yeah. And then with that, you're going to need like player dedication to, you know, uh, it, it's interesting to think that, you know, Luke Carey probably isn't playing for Ireland if it's not a World Cup. Mm-hmm. So, and again, those things need to be taken into consideration because, you know, obviously that will impact, um, you know, if if Ireland are playing some random test, whereas it's not desirable for Luke Carey to do so. You know, that's always going to massively impact their team and and you know the the coaching and the developments and stuff like that. So, like conceptually, I like it, but you know, I don't think I don't think that fixes all the problems we've um, we've brought up. Yeah, I I can see that being an issue. I remember, and this is <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous because I don't have a lot of experience with football uh, when it comes to soccer. I don't really understand. The sport i don't really understand how it all operates or whatever but i have played a bunch of football manager and i've <laughs> and whenever i've whenever i've been managing you know like a arsenal or something like that uh shout out to my friend kieran gibson <laughs> um you know I, there will be times where i can't pick random people because they're of African descent and they're in the middle of an African tournament to qualify for the World Cup, which is at a different time to European qualifying for the World Cup, which is a different time to the Oceania, which is a different time to South America. And if you have players from all over the world, you could be losing different players at all different times of the year for actual fixtures. And it just seems to be something that football is okay with outside looking in. Um, And it would probably require rugby league doing something similar so that Luke Kiri could represent Ireland and miss a couple of Roosters games so that Lachlan Ilias could represent Greece and Miles would be over the moon for the Rabbitohs at that point. Um, <laughs> um, or, you know, Nathan Brown could go and play for Italy um, and, and help them qualify for whatever tier they're hoping to qualify for. But unfortunately, that relies very heavily on investment in international rugby league by the body that runs international rugby league which is held at ransom by competitions like the nrl and the super league and it also relies on the goodwill of clubs letting players like uh you know joseph suali'i go and potentially get injured playing for samoa and then be out for the rest of the season um it's 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 i think it's the best solution to have more international rugby league, have those lower tiers playing against each other, have it during the NRL season. But I just don't think it's a likely scenario. So we might be stuck with this current format 
for a little while. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we've solved all the world's problems, Chris. Um, I, I really, I really had more faith in you than that, to be honest. Oh, we'll get him next time. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, um, thank you very much for your thoughts. Long story short, let's just say that, you know, the World Cup, especially this stage of it, is not particularly competitive. And we often compare rugby league to rugby union when it comes to World Cups. It, it probably is worth mentioning that I saw just recently that, you know, the rugby union World Cup at a similar stage, at a similar, you know, kind of scope, is also having blowout scores. But when they get to quarterfinals and semifinals, they have a really good World Cup at that point. Hopefully, Rugby League can have the same. Now, we've, we've already talked about the fact that we basically have predicted who is going to make the quarterfinals from here. What I want to hear is who is going to win the World Cup? Who has impressed you the most from you know games that you've seen, highlights you've seen, stats you've read, like just reading the tea leaves, the players they've got in their squad? Kieran... Who is going to win the World Cup? Who is? Uh, I think. I think Australia. Just with. I think Munster and Cleary alone. And today, I mean, that spine is ridiculous. I think um, Australia. But uh, I'd like to see New Zealand, to be honest, because because of the format of the Rugby World Cup, where the main team just wins every time. I, I'd like to see an underdog win, despite being an Australian citizen. I'd, I'd like New Zealand, but I think Australia will win. Yeah, reading the tea leaves, it looks kind of like we're going to see the same semi-final and final makeup potentially that we saw last time, which of course was semi-final was between Australia and New Zealand and Australia won that. And then the semi-final was between England and Tonga and England won that. And then Australia beat England in the final. That looks like it could be on the cards. I, I'm surprised to hear, Kieran, though, you said that uh, Clear is going to be the halfback, surely DCE. <laughs> Up there with Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um... <laughs> No, I think you've got to go clear. I think Mal's mad if he doesn't. I agree with that. Miles, who's going to win the World Cup? Yeah, I would, I'd be surprised if it was anyone other than Australia. Probably beating New Zealand in the final. And, and Chris, who do you think? Yeah, look, I'm going to go out of limb here. I'm, I'm going to rule out Jamaica and Greece. Um, <laughs> with that being said... Brave. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think Australia, but I would really like to see an Australia-New Zealand final. I really like the look of the New Zealand team, but uh, I I don't think England are a chance if they make it, maybe a slight outside chance. Um, They've been better than I thought they would have been, Mm. um, England. They have a pretty good uh, kind of underrated team in terms of, I guess, compared to Australia-New Zealand, but... Yeah, I think you'd have to go with Australia, but um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if New Zealand got over the top in a final. All right. I am also going to tip Australia. I know that sounds like just jingoistic nonsense from four Australian guys, but I I would like nothing more than to see another team win. Like, can you imagine if Tonga won? You know, like, just like, I mean... To Miles's point, yes, they're a bunch of NRL players. They have heritage links, of course, and they, they of course, they feel strongly about their family, um, but they haven't grown up in those systems. Um, so it would be an interesting victory, but it would still like the pa- the fans would still be passionate about. It, I'm sure about that. England winning, well, that, like at home, that would be amazing. The scenes would be incredible. Yeah. New Zealand winning. Like I, I love the New Zealand team. Like, a lot of their players are some of my favorite players to watch at the moment, especially um, Kieran's legend, James Fisher-Harris. 
So <laughs> um, I would love nothing more than another team other than Australia winning. But when you have, as you said, Kieran, Tedesco, Munster, Cleary, Grant, I think Grant's been the player of the tournament so far. He's been incredible out of dummy half. Um, with the rotation with Ben Hunt, I just think... I don't know. I don't know how you beat that. You know, even if like Isaiah Yeo goes down at lock, you've got Cameron Murray. Like, come on, it's just taking the piss. Um, Australia for me as well, guys. Thank you very much. That is the end of the episode. I think we've just ticked over the soft out that Miles needed to take, but we have a little bit of time before <laughs> the hard out. So, Miles, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. What's for dinner? Um. Look, on podcast nights, I usually try to assemble something pretty easy. So I might uh, just throw some chicken in the frying pan and do some wraps. Oh, that sounds delightful. Uh, yeah. my, uh, Chris, are you close enough that you can visit Mr. Stedman and have some chicken wraps? <laughs> yeah, it's just down the highway. Uh, Mrs. Stedman's definitely not picking up the uh, the old classic Woolies chicken and the uh, pasta salad. It's a bit too... Uh... <laughs> Um, poor and I have done pre-prepared <laughs> meals before but I think it's always good to cook it's very bourgeois of uh, Mr. Stead but <laughs> yeah he just like he'll just like get some like you know uh, aged blue cheese or something and add it to the chicken <laughs> <laughs> chicken in the fry pan I was about to say I don't think Mexican peasant food is particularly bourgeois but <laughs> you know, to their own it is when you live in Australia, though. It's it's like you know, it's exotic, right? Yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> we'll leave it. We'll leave it to the experts, right? We'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Last Christian Welch. <laughs> <laughs> you leave him alone. You leave, <laughs> you leave Christian alone. You're following me on Twitter, bud. Come on. <laughs> Miles is uh just to get another reference in Miles. I'm surprised Miles isn't at Dorsia. Is what? He's not at Dorsia. What is that? Oh, that's a uh, American Psycho reference. <laughs> okay. Not even I picked that one up. That explains why I don't care for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kieran, what's for dinner? For dinner, um, England. Ireland just beat England in the in the oh. World Cup. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, did it get caught? Yeah. What, in the cricket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, got, they got rained off. Oh, they won. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> Holy <laughs> hell. That's, That's huge. Um, well, it's even if Ireland does not make the World Cup uh, final of the Rugby League, at least they've beaten England. That's their arch rivals. Congratulations! Yeah, just just, just yeah. to put a, I think just to put a wrap on this episode, things you've never seen the Rugby League World Cup. Speaking of wraps, let's wrap this up. Uh, thanks to everybody for joining me tonight, Kieran Gibson, Miles Devon, and Chris Waring, of course. Uh, shout out to Daniel Friend, who decided to go to the beach instead. A wise choice. Much nicer weather out there. Thanks to all the listeners as well who are tuned in. And don't forget to subscribe so you can enjoy some more Above the Horizontal as the World Cup progresses. Until then... Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.